Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. happening we are here for another episode of believe in kentucky alongside the legend tony Delp, double zero this is Vinny hardy how we doing today td man i'm doing wonderful no complaints just as i told you earlier i'm in my office i call the gym my office so whenever you see me or you hear what i'm doing most of the time i'll be in the lab and my lab is still the gymnasium that's it i see the Got the uh, got the sponsor in the backdrop. Got the Salvation Army right there. Oh yeah, no doubt, no doubt, man. They they've been so good to me for over a year. Just let me um, be in their building and um, run my academy, my Tony Oak Basketball Academy, out of their building. So it's been uh, it's been good. It's been a, a good partnership, and we're actually getting ready to re uh, renew our our deal, re up a new deal. So I'm looking looking forward to that. Um, but also, while we talking about some news, uh, one of my good friends, a person I work with at, at University of Kentucky, has taken over the AD job with DePaul University, my guy, Dwayne Peavy, and just a phenomenal individual. And when I say phenomenal, just one of those guys that uh, has definitely paid his dues, but what he's done for that university, I don't think most people will know, you know, especially when you think about the former coaches and players that have been there. He's, he's done a really great job in Coach Cal tenure of bridging some of the gaps and bringing some of the, the players from, from previous decades back together, you know. So he's mended and, and repaired uh, quite a few relationships, you know, in his time. So I want to wish him well as, as he departs uh, Lexington and he heads to uh, DePaul University. Absolutely. Congrats to DP. I don't know him as well as you. I've, I've had him on my, my other little show, Cats Talk Wednesday, myself and Terry Brown. He's been gracious enough to come on a couple of times and uh, and chop it up with, with little guys like ourselves. And, you right. know, the big media outlets, of course, but he, still, he had time for a little dude like me. He don't know me from Adam, and he's come on my little show twice. And so that just speaks to the kind of guy he is. And you know him much better on a different level. And congrats to him as he as he moves forward. Two pillars in Kentucky basketball: Kenny Payne and Dwayne Peavy. I know, man. I know, I know. So you know, you you never know how you know those guys might reconnect. You know what I'm saying? So with with Kenny being assistant coach with New York Knicks and uh, Dwayne Peavy taking over as the AD at DePaul University, I mean, you never know, man. There could be something brewing that you know we might. We might see it, we might smell it, and it might just actually take place. But I think both guys um, have done tremendous in, in their jobs, you know, in the times they've been there and just getting more experience. But just two guys that are good mentors and mean well, you know, and I, I say the same thing about Kenny as I would say about Dwayne Peavy is that just two solid men, two guys that, you know, as they – as I work with both, you know, just seeing, uh, having great character, you know, personality fits in with today's society and 
a lot of times that's really hard to do is, is to relate to the newer generation as the millenniums, you know, but I think when you have young kids that keep you somewhat hip, you know what I'm saying? Like you can't go too, you can't be too hip. Like, you know, you can't be grooving to their music and thinking like, okay, man, uh, I'm doing, I'm, I'm more the tight, the tight pants. I'm going to do what the young kids are doing. No, you have to know, you have to know your place, but okay. knowing your place means, you're still relevant, and both guys are, are really relevant and definitely with what's going on in today's society. And Dwayne could be in a position to offer Kenny an opportunity that should have already come his way, is what, what you're saying, as far as that reconnecting down the down Yeah, the it, it very well could it very well could happen. I mean, you know, when this uh in this game is really about connections being uh tied into the tied into the right people and when opportunity um, is available, you know, you definitely offer it to people that you trust and, and people who you work with. So, you know, it, it could be a perfect match and, um, you know, just speaking on it, we don't know hypothetically is going to take place, but, you know, um, two guys who moved on and two guys who are, are good friends and will remain friends. And mm -hmm. I think both guys will do well in their uh, newfound jobs. Absolutely. The other big news Aside from from Dwayne moving on, would probably be you know SEC wide. You know you got you still got three conferences trying to play football. The, the <laughs> Pac-12 said no. SEC, ACC, and Big Twelve are trying to keep it going. Uh, if it gets off the ground, the SEC released a ten-game SEC-only schedule earlier in the week. Mm -hmm. uh, in Georgia, you know, dogs is, is is hype about what it's looking like for them. Kentucky fans are uh, excited about what's going on because Kentucky is on the come up as far as the program is concerned. So the hype is there. The excitement is there. Still got five weeks to go before it actually takes place. If we get there, the end of September, all these teams will be able to to get their first football game under their belts. Right. right. Well, I, I think, you know, everyone wants to get this right, and especially with those guys who are in the other conferences who, you know, have aspiration of being an NFL player. You know, they just want to get the opportunity. And so there's, so, there's still so many uncertainties out there. And so you don't want to put these young collegiate kids at – at risk if you don't have to. I think that's what's going to be important. And even though there's a lot of money involved, um, you know, the health of these players are, to me, more important. You know, but like I said, the university um, going to make money either this year or next year. I mean, there's still money coming in because they still do have TV revenue. But, uh, you know, these young guys would be like you you and I if we were their age. You know, we want to play, man. I don't, you know, yeah, I know what's out there. I know what's, you know, it could possibly kill us and, and maybe um, do something to our organs, you know, late in, later in life. But right now when I'm 19, 20, I mean, that's what you want to do. You know, you want to compete. It's the only thing you've ever known, really, to be honest with you, because if you've been playing a sport since you've been four or five years of age, I mean, you're thinking about, wow, you know, I want to continue to keep doing that. And now I feel like my opportunity is not there anymore. So, you know, I think the, the, the president, they really got to, you know, they, I know they've been in discussion for the last two or three months. How are we going to have this season? How is it going to play out? And how are we going to give these guys visibility? And, you know, I think back to, to basketball, you know, where I'm like, man, you know, we, we look so forward to having that draft every year. And that draft usually takes place in June. 
And, you know, you don't see those guys walk across the stage and things change for them. You, you know, you, you know, it's a we we in a different time right now. You know, it's, it's a different norm. And we're trying to figure out, you know, what norm is going to be best for all parties involved. And and in saying that, we're not going to always get it right. Yeah. And speaking of that, you know, getting your name called in June and, and starting to change your life as a professional athlete tonight. Here we are near the end of August, and we get the NBA draft lottery tonight. So we, we kind of see who gets the first ping pong ball, you know, the non-playoff teams and how that's going to shake out and what will they do, what kind of draft is it, who's going to the combines when they have them. You know, Tyrese Maxey is there, you know, uh, Nick Richards, Ashton Hagens, Emmanuel Quickly from the Kentucky end, as well as all the other kids from all the other schools. Uh, We'll be paying attention to see, well, well, maybe if this team wants me, do I work out here? How's it going to play out mm-hmm. tonight with the lottery? Well, I mean, it's, it's going to be an exciting night, you know, just for the different organization, you know, to possibly get that one, two, or three slot and uh, draft a hopefully, you know, franchise changing player. You know, that's, what's, that's what you're uh, hoping for. You know, you can get that player that can come in like a LeBron, you know, a KD and, and change your organization. And, you know, you have two players that I like. I like LaMelo and also I got, a, you know, uh, Wiseman is two, two talented players that will help any young team uh, because of their length and athleticism. But um, our Kentucky guys, you know, their season and, you know, you look at Maxie, he's a, a combo guard that, you know, when you can shoot the ball, it, it gives you a chance to, to make a lot of money in this game. And with him being able to do that, uh, it, it really heightens how they're going to look at his, you know, his, uh, his ability. But from what I'm hearing, I think they're going to have uh, the virtual workouts. So probably see a lot – it's going to be a lot different than it has been in the past. But normally these teams want to fly you in, put their eyes on you, and assess your game and bring you in with some other guys that might be uh, first-round draft pick, uh, late, mid to, mid to late. But what you want – is to see these guys, you know, perform, you know, against other talented players. And they probably won't get a chance to do that this year. So this is going to be different, a uh, different draft, especially uh, the structure of it. But still, still will be an exciting time, you know, to know that, that, you're, that your dream is about to come true. So I'm excited for uh, all parties involved. And no, no NCAA tournament to potentially see how they would have performed in a yeah. situation season on the line that didn't happen and no workouts against other first rounders so just uh, it's totally 2020 is crazy man well i I think you gotta hope that those uh those scouts that they were able to do their intel you know and most of them can uh most of them definitely have done that you know they probably watched probably thousands of hours of footage on uh so many players but you know during this time you always want to bring them in and just see how they work you know you know, you want to see what they're what they're like face to face personalities, you know, uh, just how hard they work, you know, and do they really want to be an NBA player or do they just want to make the money? How, how much do they love the game? I mean, there's a, a lot of questions that you can't answer now. And you can you can I think when you see people in person, you know, you get more out of them. You know, you can it's a different feel opposed to the virtual when, you know, yeah, you're doing it through social media and, um, you know, through a through a cell phone or through a, a laptop, but 
when you can actually sit down with someone, you really get to know who they are. You get a, I, I always get a better feel of when I can sit down and discuss business with someone opposed to, okay, we can get on the phone, we're going to talk about this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we rolling along like we always do. Believing Kentucky is available on Believe.com, iTunes, Stitcher, CastBox, wherever you get your podcast. Give us that five-star rating on iTunes. Feel free to put a comment in on what you think about the show. It just helps the show grow. Word of mouth, go old school. Tell your friends, tell your family. If you want to advertise on the show, go to Believe.com and hit that contact button and let us know about your business or product. And Tony and I will be happy to talk it up. Believe.com. On Twitter at Believe Podcast, the number one network for professionals. Definitely keep working with us and following us. Speaking of old school and, and going back in time, you know, we you talk you called your shot basically with the Lakers struggling. We got LeBron and Melo. It's flashing back to 03. Those two guys been going at it in, in game one. And mm-hmm. you you talked about how the, the Blazers were gonna be a thorn in the Lakers side, gonna be a right. And my God, that's exactly what's played out. Well, I, I think the Lakers are catching a team that's that's hot, you know, and it's a little bit different when you catch a team that's struggling. And the Lakers have been struggling. You know, they haven't been able to to find the three-point range. You know, probably one of the worst percentage of all the teams that have been in the bubble. But um, Portland, you know, they have guys that can, that can create that can create off the dribble. When you have a one, one or two, both guys are hard to contain. It puts so much pressure on your defense. You know, there's only so much that you're – that your back line can do because once again, you know, they're smart enough to say, Hey, if I draw the back line, then I just got to pass the ball inside and now we're going to get dunked. So you got to be cautious on how you guard those guys. But even with someone like a Dame Lillard, you got, you got a guy shooting, man, 25 to 30 feet out. Man, how how do you guard that? You know, you got to, so now when we say fish out of water, you put bigs out on the court, 25, 30 feet out. And that's something that most of those guys, haven't been accustomed to. Uh, it's different when you just shoot at the regular three-point line, you know, and you're coming out, you're hard hedging. Uh, you might can switch it. But it's going to be hard to switch 28, 29 feet out, you know, and expect for uh, somebody to be at boxes and elbows. But what they've done a really good job of, that is Portland, is how they share the ball, how they share the ball, and just their ability to make threes. And threes at, at, crucial, at crucial moments. You know, if you go back to that, that uh, the game Monday night against the Lakers, you know, they made some some crucial three-point shots, some shots that um, when a game is close, you'll see clutch players make shots. Uh, players that pretend or want to be clutch, they only make shots when they're, they're ahead. So I like to see when you're down and you come down the court, you're down six and you get an open look, like that's the three you have to make. Like that's a pressure-packed shot. And – not everyone can make those kind of shots. So when you see like a Dame taking that shot, T.J. McCollum, you know, and Gary Trent has played extremely well. He's been a surprise in the bubble. But I think the Lakers' rhythm is off. And sometimes when you get to that fourth quarter, uh, I was just thinking about this earlier. I said when the one-two punch has been dominant, it's usually when they get about 60 to 80 points. And then everybody else kind of chip in with their 10 and 5 and 8 and maybe 14. So – that's where LeBron, who had a, I would say, you know, just a uh, put up some numbers that we had never seen before. And even AD, you know, with his 28. Um, but that really only gives you 51 points. So that means they need to come up with another 20-plus point. 
And if Danny Green is not knocking shots down, you know, from outside, and um, Kyle Kuzman, you know, kind of like not 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 to say he's like a Paul George, he's nowhere near the Paul George status, but. Uh, if that's your third guy, I, li- I like knowing that he's going to give me double figures each and every night. And I just don't think you can rely and depend on him like that. And AD went 0 for 5 from behind the arc. Did you think he should have moved it on in and tried to, you know, attack down low? Or, you know, you, you all right with him still taking those five and missing them? Or? Nah. I mean, no, no, you got to mix it up, man. Like, like it's, 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 it's the playoff. And if your if your three point shot is not working, you know, get inside and. But you know, when you look at his post game, is that he's never really been a back to the basket kind of guy. You know, he's more of a pick and pop, face up. He can put the ball on the floor, finish at the basket. Now, when you're telling him, okay, hey man, go get us a bucket. I need you to break the defense down. That's not his game. He's not. He's not a KD. You know, KD in the fourth quarter, he can get you 15, 20 points because he can actually rebound the ball, take it off the rim push the ball down, play downhill, put pressure on you, and pull up. That's not AD's game. AD game is, is, is really when there's guard penetration on LeBron, put him, in, put him in the pick and roll, he can pick and pop. But to say, hey, man, get that rebound, go down, break the guy down, and, and get us a bucket, that's not his game. Well, if you throw the ball to him, he'll face up and he'll make those shots. But I just think they're going to need more from both. And then somebody has to be a spark off that bench. Yeah. And we talked about uh, – you already mentioned how Portland spreads the floor and, you know, compromises the defense that way, and it's only so much the back line can do. Then you got Nurkic with a double-double in the first quarter, not the first half, the first right. quarter. He already had a double-double going. Well, I think, you know, you're still trying to find out uh, – it's funny, it's, it's, this late in the season, you know, we're still trying to find out, you know, Frank Vogel the right lineup, you know, what, what, what kind of adjustment uh, am I going to make? Cause a lot of what playoffs turn out to be is, you know, each other, you know, all each other plays. So that's, it's not like any new play or set you haven't seen, but when you have players that can create off the bounce, create their own shot, then when the shot clock is winding down, they have two guys that can do that. You know, Dame and CJ. And I don't, I really only think the Lakers have one guy that can do that. You know, that's LeBron James. So, LeBron James has to carry all of the load, you know, from rebounding to getting assists. Um, you know, he has to score. So he has more responsibility. And I think that's where when they was looking into free agency, they really need another playmate. So when LeBron is out of the game, he can create those opportunities for AD because what AD needs is he needs someone who is a dribble penetrator. But if you don't have a facilitator and say, hey, get us some buckets, you know, that's not his game. Yeah, he can pick and pop. He'll catch it down low. He'll finish around the basket. But when it comes down to putting the ball on the floor, beating someone off the bounce, and maybe using a step back, that's not his game. Now, of course, the Lakers got all the attention as the number one seed, losing to the eight. Milwaukee did the same thing in the East, losing game one to Orlando. Orlando stole game one last year from Toronto, and then right. game five. Is Orlando here to stay this time, or is Milwaukee going to run out four straight and, and go ahead and end it? I, I think you learned from what happened last year. You know, hopefully they did. You know, they went against uh, what ended up being, you know, the NBA champions. It, it, it's, it's tough when, you know, you're down. But when you win that first game, you get so ecstatic. You're happy, and 
you're like, hey, man, we just got to win three more games. Well, those are going to be three games that are going to be tough to win. But what I will say about Orlando, they're not like sleeping in their beds, but they are in their home city. Yeah. So they do get more love than any other team that's going to be there because, you know, they're in Orlando. But I, I, I think when you understand who you are, your personnel, and, and your personnel got to know who they are when they step on the court. So now the coach and player – got to be on the same page. And I think with the Lakers, and even even as, you know, we'll get into some, you know, get into um, what's going on with the Clippers, but I still think uh, there's so much pressure when you don't have two or three guys that can create shots for other people. And let's move on over to those Clippers, the other L.A. team. You know, they, they won game one. We're losing when Porzingis got ejected. Right. And, you know, kind of took control after that. You know, it's 73-69 in game two, kind of the same score, same time. Right. They're trailing again. And Dallas goes ahead and, and handles business to even things up. So, I mean, if you're Doc Rivers, how you feeling? What do you think? Well, I, you, you're feeling that, you know, you have definitely the most talent, you know, but – uh, Dallas to me is outworking them. You know, when you when you you have hard workers, you know that can exceed talent. You know, if talent's not working hard, but what they have always done is they have a excellent facilitator in Luka Doncic. I mean, just unbelievable player. And I know I said in one of the episodes, you know, he really has surprised me with how he's played the game. And not to say that, you know, I thought he was going to be a bad player. But when you don't really see a lot of footage on a player and you don't see the athleticism, you kind of see him and say, well, you know, he looks, he looks slow. He can't, he's not going to be able to guard anybody. Who is he going to be able to get uh, – who is he, he going to be able to drive by? He has proved me wrong, man. He, he gets the shot he wants, and he facilitates and makes plays for his teammates. Yeah. And I know we're flipping back from east to west and all that, but going back to Boston and Philly can – can Gordon Haywood catch a break? I mean, he leaves Utah, goes to Boston, and has a – I know, man. Injury. Game one, he hurts his ankle and is out for at least four weeks. I mean, dude, it's like this black cloud over top of him, man. Or maybe it's um, – or maybe it's just I, – I think it would be um, – it could be Boston, man. You know what? It's like certain places you go in life, you know – end up not being the best place for you. You might think of somebody that you with might be like, hey, this is a great city to live in, and you just can't catch a break. Yeah. So that's kind of how I feel about him is that, you know, when you think he's back, he's healthy, he's playing well, it's like, dang, he just got hurt again. But they have two young studs in Tatum and Brown. You know, you can look at those guys as, you know, we talk about Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. I mean, they um, Boston might have the second or third best wing combo. You know, those guys are young and eager and, uh, crazy athletic, but two guys who really have worked on their games. And, and, and it's shown year to year, you know, that those two guys can get you the 50, 60, uh, 70 points that I'm talking about. And when you have two guys like that, you really can trust. And we, we're not even talking about Kemba Walker, you know, who also gave him 20 the other night. But just a team that's solid, man. And, and that Philly team, I sometimes feel for um, Joel Embiid because, you know, he's such a, a, a dominant force when, you know, he gets the ball, he gets his deep touches, he's not shooting threes all the time. But, you know, the help around him, you know, it's, it's, it's looking at two really good guys uh, in Al Horford 
um, you know, just how he's come. You know, it's kind of like sometimes, you know, you got to get rid of some tires off your car when you start seeing the tread. And the sooner you do it, the better your ride will be. And then, you know, I'd say you're back, you're back to being safe again. And uh, that's kind of like where this team is at, you know, with all the deals and money they gave out. I thought keeping – I thought they possibly should have kept Jimmy Butler. You know, Tobias is a really good player, but you give a guy $180 million, he has to be my go-to guy, you know, or, or my second – He's be my Robin, and I just haven't seen it from Tobias, you know. So as, as well as Embiid has played, he needs some help, and especially when Ben Simmons is not there. But now you turn to the guy you gave 180 million dollars to and say, "Hey, man, we might need you. We might need you to put team on your show tonight." But that's not who he is. So you give him a lot of money, and you know I'm glad he got every dollar that he that he that he deserves. Same thing with Al Horford, but. Two guys that have always been second and third guy, and even Tobias has been your your fourth option at time. So to pay a fourth option that kind of money is that now I'm taking you from four to you my second in, in, in command. And I just haven't seen him take that next step in being the aggressor. Same thing with, with Ben Simmons is that, okay, when are you going to take that next step? And so that, to me, it's, you know, it's, going to be a challenge, a dilemma for, for Elton Brand as the GM. What does he do? You know, well, we know what he's going to do. <laughs> I, already, I already know what he's going to do when the season ends. You know, you know and I know and Philly know and and, and, and Brett, Brett Brown knows, uh, the, the team knows. Every, everybody knows what's going to happen. I mean, we just – we got to wait for this. Like I said, we got to wait for the bubble, for them to, to, to either get swept or win one game. Oh. And then some one coach won't be – one coach won't have a job when he leaves the bubble. Yeah. He would be unemployed. And they kept him through all the the tanking, and he, he hung around through all that and finally got a core of players. And, yeah. You know, well, you know, kind, kind of like when you think about Gordon Haywood, they they haven't gotten a break even, you know, because either Joel has been out, Ben Simmons has been out. Somebody's always been hurt, you know. And, and the one year you got a chance to get to each conference final – Kawhi hits a shot that probably bounces four or five times around the rim. It's like, dude, we just lost a series on the last second shot that hit almost every part of the rim and went in. Like, you can't sleep well. Like, that, that makes for a long summer. Like, you know, when you, so, and so as an organization and as a GM or president, you know, how can I – who am I going to build this team around? You know, is it going to be Ben team or is it going to be Joel Embiid? You know, you got to make a decision. And not to say that they can't coexist together. I think everyone in their minds say, hey, these two can't coexist. I don't see that. I think they can coexist. I think what you should what they should have done was they should have kept shooters around them, like real shooters like JJ Reddick. Um trying to think of who else was one of their good shooters that went to uh uh not Gallinari, um came from San Antonio and he was really good with the Bulls and he also shot well uh, for them was and um you know and then you kind of pick up a Kyle Corbett you know when Kyle Corbett is available you know you pick up these guys that can shoot and you know because shoot shooting is, is a, you know when you get a shooter I mean you you look at Kyle Corbett being able to still knock down shots right now and I want to say at the time you know when Philly was could make noise is they had those shooters you know so 
that's what I, I expect Elton Brand to kind of go out and get, you know, uh, guys who can knock it down from the outside and guys that can stretch the defense. Then you got to make a decision if, if you're going to keep both guys. You know, can, as I said, can they coexist? That's, that's what's going to be important. And if they can coexist, you got to figure out how to put the right pieces around it. And, and, and doesn't seem like anyone, and I do mean anyone, I could be wrong here, would take Tobias Harris' contract. Wow. Mm-hmm. And not to say that he's a, and not because he's a bad person. I think it's just a, it's a lot of money tied into a a a third or fourth option. Wow. What other series we we hitting on the big ones? What other series have stood out to you since it started? You know, East or West that's that's kind of catching your eye. You know, we got Denver, Utah. You know what? Got I'm, I'm 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 gonna have to give a lot of credit to uh, Toronto, uh, the defending champ. How they, I mean, their approach, you know, their approach and and how well they play defense and pay attention to details. But when you can bring back pretty much your whole team, your whole roster, um, you get better because those guys, chemistry-wise, they know each other. They spend time together. And they won an NBA championship. You know, and, 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 and despite losing uh, Kawhi Leonard, you know, that gave um, – Pascal Siakam time, you know, to become a good player, better player. Yeah. Um, Norman Powell has stepped up. They have a bunch of guys that really have stepped up and, and, and are coming into the own. But when you think about like a like a Denver, Utah, I mean, that's also an exciting series. You know, and I think Utah really just bounced back from 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 a uh, from a tough loss. And it lets you know how 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 talented Donovan Mitchell is. That dude, he can really ball. 57 in game one. They lost, but my goodness, you know, that's, you know, MJ Elgin Baylor numbers. In that he, was game. Un- he was unconscious out there. Like he was in a real zone. Um, but, you know, he, he causes a lot of problems, you know, because he's so, he's so good off the pick and roll. And, you know, he don't have the range that Dane Little and those guys have. He's not a prolific three point shooter, but, you know, he gets to the foul line. He know, put it like this, you know, he know who he is. And we know who you are. It's easy for me to operate inside my body. What about our former cat Murray for Denver? I mean, they were dueling in game one. It's one apiece, and it's, it might be a long series, but, you know, Jamal Murray starting his career off nice out there in Denver too. Yeah, I, I think they made an adjustment on him. When you have a guy that has a really good game and you got to see how you can contain him and keep him under his average, but also, you know, to remind the guys, hey, even if you get his points, we just got to shut everyone else off. So your game plan has to be in place, and then you got to follow your game plan. And just flashing back to you, I mean, you you played in Denver, you played in Utah. Being from, is that is the altitude in those places serious? Is it is it real when you get in there? <laughs> oh, it's real. No, 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 no. No, it's it's real. It's real. And I think it became real to me when um, I found out I had the sickle cell trait. And, you know, that's when your blood is sickling and, and affects your, your oxygen level. And I couldn't figure out, I think we talked about this in the past. I'm like, man, why, why am I having problems breathing here and, uh, in Colorado? And I didn't find out until later that, you know, it, it really high altitude affects sickle cell uh, patients. And I just happened uh, happen to be on that flight and, landing in that city, staying there for a day or two, and just wasn't feeling right. So 
it takes my body time to adjust to altitude. But for those people who might have underlying medical condition, you know, it's not a place that you want to go if your health issues are not where they need to be. And so once you figured that out, is there things that you could do when you knew it was time to go play the Nuggets or you just had to deal with it till you got better? How'd you handle it? You know, I had to deal with it till I got better because I really just I, – I didn't know what was going on, you know, because when, you, when you're young and I took a sickle cell, sick, uh, sickle cell trait test, you know, and I came back, of course, I was positive with sickle cell trait, but I really didn't dive into it. I was like, all right, cool. You know, I played with it, you know, for the last however many years of my life. And it hasn't bothered me, but there was something about when, when I would go to Colorado, uh, two or three trips up the court, I would be like sucking air. I'm like, man, this is like, what's going on with me? You know, I know I didn't stay up late that night. I wasn't drinking, but I was feeling, I was feeling like my energy level wasn't as high and my cardio was off. So it did affect my, my body from that standpoint of not being able to have the energy to, to compete. Mm-hmm. You hear that all the time, and uh, it takes a while. First quarter, your lungs burning, and and so yeah, it's definitely real. And you talk about you know being in a bubble, home court advantage taken away. That's always an advantage for the Nuggets and for the Jazz. You know, having teams. <laughs> really, it is though, man. I'm I'm telling you because I I would always think I'm like, man, them suckers should be really good because they're so used to this altitude, and if they caught you. If they caught you on the back to back, they they will they use a ran you out the gym. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You mentioned uh, you know the millennials and and kind of staying hip, Don't, not getting too hip as far as trying to just jump into their music and all that. So you know, knowing your place, we talked music a little <laughs> bit, you know, several weeks ago about you know when you got the grill out, how you was grilling a lot, and you had mm-hmm. to. Earth, Wind, and Fire, and the Frankie Beverly, and and the old school R&B you grew up with. So, you know, what all did you grow up with, and then what type of music did you jump into when you were grown at UK and the NBA? What's your genre? What you like? I'm gonna tell you what I what I when rap hit, and I'll never forget um, the very first CD I bought was a Ice Cube America Most Wanted. So we're at a team camp. I'm bumping this music right. Got, got my radio out. Uh, got my my tape, my cassette tape, and I'm like bumping it. Coach walks in and he hears all the profanity. He was like, "Hey, let me get that tape." I never got my tape back, man. So that America Most Wanted was my first CD with profanity, and then because everything then was like it was, it had to put explicit on the um, on the on the tape on the. But what I realized was, you know, I liked that music because it had meaning behind it. You know, then I started getting into, of course, Tupac and Biggie, who had stories to tell. But, um, you know, I always loved my old school. You know, love, like I said, Marvin Gaye, Stephanie Mills, Shaka Khan, uh, Osley Brothers, Commodores, um, getting a Gap Band, Charlie Wilson. I mean, the list goes on. I, you know, Ron Osley, who was, you know, I know his brothers are deceased now, but just – the years of uh, the decades of music that he has given us, you know, even Stevie Wonder, so many great artists, Michael Jackson. I mean, I can go down a list of so many great artists that I really and still enjoy listening to uh, up until even like what I like now. You know, I still like some of when I, it's funny too, because I the song by Jack Harlow, when I first heard that song, I was like, man, this song is popping right here. You know, I'm like, man, this is a hot song. And before I know it, I'm like, I thought he was black. I'm like, 
Yeah, he's a white dude, you know. Put out, you know, but but he but he had a hit though. He had a hit that was like really, really nice, you know. But um, you know, that's what I'm saying about the diversity part, you know, is that opportunities are more available and you just think about, you know, this white kid who loves rap music, like how am I gonna get into, you know, their culture? How 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 will their culture accept me? But when you got good music, you always accept it. You know, no no one trips on good music. You know, you could like I said, you might be uh, a person that I'm not gonna say you're a racist, but you know, you might not like the black the black music, you know. Um, but the culture of music and the symbology of it is that, you know, it's it's something that relaxes you. It's is every culture is different in, in to what they listen to, you know. And I really started liking the R and B rap, um, you know, as it as it went from gangster to it wasn't as hardcore because I did really like the NWA and the Ice Cube, the hardcore rap and Luke Skywalker. And then it went to, okay, hey, it was, it was going to be relaxed rapping. You know, it was like the LL Cool J, you know, who, who had the song, I, I Need Love. You know, I, I was a huge fan of Houdini. My very first ever concert was a uh, new edition, was the, uh, was the headliner. And there was Houdini, uh, Friends, um was 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 crazy back then um and the fat boys so the fat boys with the human human beatbox mm-hmm. so that was that was something that was really you know exciting at that time and um you know so i grew up like you said with new edition fat boys houdini and then it went into different artists artists but today's artists i really do like i like little baby the baby mm-hmm. uh those are certain certain ones that i listen to you know they have i, I like i like I like it when artists have um, when they have a when they have a story to tell, and so many of these guys, you know, when they when they start thinking about you know where I come from to where I'm at, that's what they have. They have a story to tell. So I'm not only listening to the beat, I'm listening to the story. Exactly. And you know, you go back, you know, your average white band. I used to think they were black. Uh, Boz Skaggs back in the day. Everybody talk about, you know, Bobby Caldwell, what you gonna do for love. Everybody thought he was a brother back in the day. And so, I sure did, man. My brother, I had to call my brother. I'm like, he was like, yeah. He said, man, he put out some really good music. <laughs> yeah, you <laughs> but you know what? I'm, I'm gonna tell you one, one of the best, you know, the best concert I went to was, um, for me, was Earth, Wind & Fire. You know, I, I've always been a huge Earth, Wind & Fire fan. <laughs> and then I called my brother, I said, man, listen, just went to the best concert. He said, like, you should have went. He said, I saw when they was, you know, when they was in their younger days, you know, they they came out with their uh, jumping, you know, with, with the smoke and uh, with with them performing and jumping off the stage and uh, platforms. You know, he said they were really doing their thing. I said, yeah, they're more relaxed right now. So they're in their, they're in their probably approaching their 70s. Yeah. So can't be, they couldn't be as exciting as they were then. Yeah. Cause that was the, you already answering my next question. I was gonna ask were you a big concert guy, as far as you know. So it sounds like you you love hitting the concerts too, seeing different artists. Oh, we got you, got you muted, man. Oh, you muted. I really really enjoyed all the concerts that I went to. Concerts were something that, when I look back on how exciting it was, you know, just to see some of these old artists you know, and still see them still be around, you know, whenever you get a chance, when it was coming through Atlanta, I made sure that if I saw, uh, you know, Charlie Wilson was coming, um, the Commodores, if they ever came through here, 
Um, Earth, Wind, and Fire was the one I really wanted to see. Them and and Cameo. I still haven't seen Cool in the Game. Uh, uh, cool in the Game, I was, I don't know, probably early 20s. And but my wife and I, we went to Birmingham and saw Maze like three, four years ago. And Frankie hadn't lost nothing, man. Still got it. All of them, Southern Girl, Joy and Pain, all of them. You know, Frankie Beverly hadn't lost nothing. And this was just a few years ago in Birmingham when Maze came through. So we had to go down there and catch that one. Well, that was, I, saw, I saw him probably about eight to 10 years ago when he was with, uh, they performed in Memphis. And he came in with the OJs. So, <laughs> yes, when I tell you, I had, you know, the, uh, uh, man. The OJs was, were, uh, I, I want to say, I think Gerald LeBert was alive then. Mm. So I saw, I think Gerald LeBert came on stage and him and Eddie definitely sung. They had a song they did. They did their little duo together. Mm. But just when you think about just the, the, the music and how, how the OJs, I mean, we still love like all their songs, man, and all the, all the great music they put out. And like I said, with Frankie Beverly, you know, Cause I thought Frankie Beverly had a lot of music, and I only I, somebody told me he only had three albums. But he sings those those three albums uh, made him millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. <clears throat> so definitely had to hit some music. Knew it had to get to it when you know we teased it a few weeks ago. Had to dive into it a little bit today. One quick thing too, man. You know we talked about it a few weeks ago. You know, and we started the idea. If it was the Believe podcast two on two, you know, I'm setting screens and rebounding, you know, spreading the court for you to get the shots off. <laughs> we talked about all the other ballers, professional, former uh, players in the network. Um, mm-hmm. We had, you know, Ralph Sampson, Rick Barry, Kareem Rush, uh, the Ware Brothers at UCLA. Right. Uh, my guy, Matt Moderno for the Believe in Wizards co host with Larry Hughes. Oh, they were talking about that episode that me and you talked about this a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So Matt asked Larry yesterday, he was like, you know, Vinnie Hardy and Tony Delps talked about a believe two on two. He's like, Larry, you think you could, you think you could carry me if we did it in a bracket? So Larry, when he found out you was on there, he said that he said his first step is still pretty good. Okay. But he says that he said, look, I'm gonna be honest. He said, my defensive rotations aren't where they need to be <laughs> he said he said so and he was coaching his host he was coaching matt like he was coaching me he said matt i'm gonna need you to stay in front of your man because my rotations ain't where they supposed to be right now <laughs> so they was talking about our two on two on their podcast the other day on believing wizard right <laughs> well you know what and the thing is too is two on two that there's a lot of court you know so we got to Either condense the court down, or we gotta to decide, to, you know, to to shorten the game. If the games are short, I think it will be a, a competitive game. But you know, for us, because I still play occasionally and I still do some running, but um, you know, now it's about the longevity and the endurance part of the game. Can you be? If we get to like a, 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 a let's say a seventh and deciding game, who's gonna still have gas left? Because now your endurance gonna have to kick in right around that fifth or sixth game, and, and I usually get in about maybe – I usually want to stop after about three games. Four is pushing it, but um, I can I can sometimes do five games, a yeah. five on five, full court. Okay, absolutely. 
Well, man, how does the how's it go tonight before we jump off? The Lakers even it up tonight, or do they really dig a little, little bit of a hole? No, I, I think the Lakers. I think they even the series. I, I don't see Portland. Uh, I see. I do see them win another game. I still think the Lakers are going to win in six. Uh, tonight we're going to see a more aggressive LeBron early, and hopefully he'll he'll keep AD involved. And that's where I like I said the separation between AD and KD is that AD needs someone to get him the ball, and LeBron. I think you got to just keep him engaged throughout the game. And hopefully, man, one of them bench players can step up. You know, Kuzma, you know, we don't know which Kuzma going to show up. Danny Green, I hadn't seen him since he left Toronto. Or maybe, you know, one, he had one big game against the Warriors where he came. He had a coming out party uh, from when he left San Antonio. So maybe Dion Waiters. I mean, I, I thought, you know, he was in the rotation. And this is where coaching comes into play, where you got to trust those guys that, leading into those guys who have been playing leading up into the bubble. And Dion has some really good games, you know. So I think Frank Vogel kind of got gunshot. He was like, man, I'm not going to play Dion. You know, this game is important, but I still think you put another guy on the court that causes havoc because he creates – he can create a shot for himself for his teammates. So we'll, we'll see some different rotations tonight. And if, how big a help would getting Rondo be if they get Rondo back just to, you know – be out there on CJ or Dame, you know, not as far as offensively, you know, he's not going to help there, but defensively trying to slow those guys <laughs> down with that. Well, I mean, personally, I don't think he can guard either one of them. You know, even, I mean, a young run though could guard either one of these guys, but I just think where they're in their career, you know, is it's going to be tougher for him who haven't, who, you know, he hasn't played. So, yeah. you know, his, like I said about the cardio and conditioning, you know, that's what's going to get him right now. He has the experience. I mean, you can't teach that, but when it comes to, having to guard those two guys who pick, you know, I mean, they're going at you, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and they're going to know, okay, man, this dude ain't played in, in a month or two yeah. that he can't keep them in front of them. And they know that. So yeah. that, that would be a tough matchup for him. But, he, but I still think having them on the court, giving them some experience and some, you know, someone else that can help, um, help LeBron with that playmaking, that playmaking scheme and playmaking ability is what they definitely need. I'm gonna go out on a limb and say the your Phoenix Suns get the first ping pong tonight. They don't they don't have the greatest odds, but I'm gonna say they gonna win it. Ooh. All right, man. All right, let's see what happens, man. You know what? I think the Warriors might get it. Mm. All right. <laughs> we'll in a few hours, man. It's been a yes. Nice we'll find out. No doubt. The Kentucky man, TD enjoyed it. Congrats again, Dwayne PV. Have yourself a good weekend, and we'll be doing this very same thing again next week, man. All right, deuces, brother. Hold it down, man. All right, y'all take care. Another episode of Leaving Kentucky. Give us five stars on Instagram. Check us out each week. We'll be here. Take care, everybody. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube 
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.